The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Zurich Classic. And joining me to break it all down is Jacob's keyboard that I can hear already. And Greg Ducharme is here. What up, wow. Greg? <laughs> Shots fired early. Um, I'm a little bit bummed out today, in all honesty, for a couple of reasons. We'll get into all of them. Um, I'm, I'm happy in some ways. I enjoyed watching the tournament. I'm bummed out in other ways. One of the reasons I'm happy is KP is here. I feel like KP and I haven't had a chance to catch up in quite a long time. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for tonight. That right there is Kyle Porter. KP, it's Oscar night. Hey, buddy. I, I had I realized that like 20 minutes ago. Uh, Oscars is not high on my list of priorities. I did see somebody in the comments is already just popping off about, hey, where's where's KP talking about Spieth for 50 minutes? Listen, if you want 50 minutes of Spieth, me and Greg can can do we can do 150 minutes, whatever whatever you want. Um, yeah, you go Jordan. Yeah, I don't know why we would considering the Zurich just happened, but I think it's a shot at my ability to shoehorn Spieth in any way possible, which I've already done two minutes into the show. So there you go. A skill set like... Golly! There it is. A skill set like no other that Kyle possesses. Uh, Jacob, stay close. (laughs) Stay close to that drop button here. We had a playoff. Playoff. To determine the winner of the Zurich classic. And before we get in to all that, Greg, this, this very quickly on Sunday, uh, it turned into a two horse race. It was the Aussies. It was the South Africans. That's Leishman Smith. It's Ustase and it's Schwartzel. Uh, those were really for the vast majority of Sunday, the only two teams that were really in this thing. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had Keith Mitchell and, uh, Brant Snedeker making a little move, but it felt like they were so far ahead and, uh, it, it just, it, it had that feeling all day long. And especially when you saw the luck that Tony Finau and Cameron champ had at number two. And then I think it happened again at number four and number seven, where they were just up against the lip of the bunker for the entire first nine. And then we didn't see him again. Um, so that was a difficult start for them and they kind of ejected early and you're left with a two horse race, which was cool to see. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I don't mind seeing a runaway like that, even though they were only one shot ahead of, uh, of the posted score. I think it was uh, Snedeker and Mitchell. So anyway, yeah, I agree with you, Rick. It was definitely a two horse race. So I thought it was cool because it was like a, it was a more volatile version of match play, right? Like if you're up, if you're up three holes with five to go or whatever in match play, it's kind of over. There's not a ton to see, but if you're up two or three strokes with five to go in this format, it's not over. You know, like we saw, we saw a bunch of different lead changes and you, you also saw both teams up by 
two or more. I guess they were both up two on multiple holes. And I think multiple holes on like the final 12. So I thought in, in that sense, it was actually you, everybody throws out like the match play thing. It was actually more fun than match play because there was more going on, especially over that last like 90 minutes or so. So and they were we in would, the same group, which helps. That was yeah, awesome. For sure. That was the right. best part. And then when we got to the playoff, it was, they could just like, we didn't have to worry about, Oh, this guy's been sitting around for an hour. What's he been up to? It was like, just <laughs> go, go right back out there. So we would normally, we would normally take this kind of team by team, but because they were all playing together, because it was a two horse race, let's kind of do this towards the end here, because Greg, the, one of the signature moments for the Australians was number 16, Cam Smith. This is that really short par four played about 302 yards on Sunday. Cam Smith steps up there, hits what was a, a pretty good drive, probably where he was trying to hit it, maybe a little farther left, and it bounces essentially right in front of the green and crosses into the water right there, which means that Leishman uh, did the pro thing, took an absolute pro drop right up there, gets his gets the places ball, and then eventually chips it in for birdie. Uh, that, that hole is probably that that felt like the momentum for them. Now, little did I know they were going to give it back a whole later, but like that felt like it was going to spark them to victory. It did. I would say all day, Rick, they were team short game, right? They were, um, you, you saw Leishman with a couple of really nice chip and runs throughout the week. You saw Camp Smith with a couple of nice shots and on greens like that, that were, um, at, at times purple. I mean, those greens were as firm. They were really browned out, really firm. Um, you could tell that they were not easy and those guys got up and down from all over the place. So some, some really nice chip and run, some creative shots and you could kind of see it. It almost looked like, uh, like a Royal Melbourne kind of scenario in the sand belt where you had some uh, really firm running brown greens, which was um, cool to see. And I think it benefited that team for sure because their short game was great all week. And then that one goes in and it's a little bit of an exclamation point on it. And and it it, it swings the momentum to Kyle's match play point so significantly because Louis, Louis doesn't hit it in the water off the tee. He hits it over the green and then Charles kind of hits that chip shot. That's not really kind of stuffs it in the ground a little bit and it comes up well short and birdie. They have a much longer birdie putt than you would hope for, but they're, they're kind of thinking they're going to win the hole. If you do equate it to match play directly and then an instant later, all of a sudden they lose the hole, let alone tie and and everything flipped. So I agree with you, Rick. It was definitely a momentum shifter. Do do you guys think I was saying about this, do you guys buy into the, Oh, they are comfortable with each other. And they like, I, sometimes we do this narrative thing where it's like, okay, like that's, we're overstating how like the importance of it, but this week, like, especially on Sunday, it felt like you a little bit of a real thing. How, how much do you guys buy into that? Like how much of a thing is that? I think it's a thing. I think it's, I mean, first of all, it, it helps that our top two teams here are guys that are very comfortable with one another, but there was a comment that was made at some point on the broadcast where it's, there's a difference in expecting your partner to hit the best possible shot and that you need to expect your partner to almost hit the worst possible shot, which I think is kind of an interesting way to look at it. And when you play with someone as often as you do, you kind of know what their good shots are, what their bad shots are, what you can expect for the next one. I I think it is a big deal, especially in, in the alternate shot portion. 
I agree, Rick. The alternate shot portion, you're at, you're right on. Because in in better ball, you can go speed read and compete against each other, and and you don't have to like each other at all. You can do your own thing. You can go through your own routine. You can do everything exactly the way you normally do it. And all that happens is if you if you don't make a birdie and your partner does, you get credit for it. So it's all positives in better ball. But when you get to alternate shot, you're relying on each other. And in a situation where you're laying up on a par five, you got to have a conversation. Hey, where do you want me to, what's, what's, what works for you here? Where do you want me to leave this? I think back to, um, Phil Mickelson and Keegan Bradley, when they played together in the president's cup and Phil said to Keegan, I don't care where you hit it. I I don't care where it goes. Just get me a wedge. And that says, hey, it makes it, Keegan's decision making so easy. I, I'm just going to hit driver everywhere, get it as close as I can, so Phil can utilize a wedge. When you when you're comfortable and familiar with each other, and you know each other, um, you you hit every shot knowing that it's all one, it's all going to be okay. Two, this isn't going to be the last time that we play together. Um, and three, I know what my partner wants here. So I, I can try my best to execute that. And I, I, I do think it's a, it's a big help in alternate shot. We stepped on 18 T and regulation all tied up. Uh, both teams would go on to make par. And we would go immediately to a playoff in KP. Uh, if if you, for those who weren't listening, uh, the pay, the playoff uh, whole s- schedule was it play at 18 in alternate shot. Then you would play 18 again, best ball. Then you would play nine alternate shot, then play nine again in best ball, which I was like, yes, please give me some of that. I want to watch that. We didn't get to see it, but how did you feel about that being the structure for how this win was going to be determined? Well, two, two things. One, did you see Ustazen's face when they explained it to him? He had no, he was like, it's still he, was that, just, right? he was just like <laughs> staring at them. Like I, I just, is it my turn yet? Like, can I hit? And then the other thing is I had forgotten. They removed, remember how they used to like uh, turn over like a car or like a, John yep. Deere tractor or like <laughs> maybe, maybe they would turn over like a, uh, I don't know, like an insurance building for Zurich, like a, like a, like a tower or yep. a, I don't know, whatever to determine who goes first. This time it was, it was, it was first in, or what was it? First in last out. First in last out. Right. But they, but like, but, but he still screwed that up too, because he was like, it's, it's first in last out. But then he said, and you guys were first on the T sheet, which that, that's not right. It's it's who actually puts the ball right, in the cup first, first in. But I think I think it is right because and I've I, well I've been doing this eight years and I can't figure it out. But uh, I think it is right because when you're in the same group or in the same pairing, it's whoever teed off first. So first in, last out is only it. Interesting. It makes it up if you're in different pair. Is that right, Greg? It's not who. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not who hold out first, who is literally in the hole first. It's who teed off first, which I, so I believe it, that's what it is. Why is this? So and, and this kind of confirms. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like this is normal sport. My my tweet in like the manifestation of it. It's first in, last out, unless you're in the same pairing. In which case, <laughs> it's whoever hit the first tee shot. Right. We, we are literally just determining who goes first. It's not that big a deal. Like draw a straw or just somebody go. It doesn't matter. It's they should have like they should have like flipped Louis Caddy or something like as like heads or tails. Uh, what, on this real quick, did it feel like Louis hit like before the the official was off the tee box? 
Well, that's what we were saying. We, before we yeah. went hot, Greg, I mean, it was like by the t- by the time he was done describing who goes first, Louis was in his backswing is what it felt like. And it he was, was there was no practice yeah. swing. He was just ready to go. And uh, I'm a huge Louis fan. I love Louis Ustazen. I think he's <laughs> a lot. So, so we've heard. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys I would like to be. If you look at PGA Tour players, there are some of them that you'd like to be, some of them that you wouldn't like to be. Like I wouldn't want to be Tiger Woods. I think that like you can't go anywhere without being recognized. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want all of that goes along with being Tiger Woods. But Louis Oosthuizen to be him would be awesome. And at he's, the same he, time, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's won one time on the tour. He won the Open Championship. That's true at St. Andrews. So that's like winning, I don't know, seven Valspars. He I don't know where very Rick nearly, this is uh this is dangerous without Rick here, just you and I, oh, but anyway, yeah, he, this is, this is, he, this is a uh, first cut after dark right here. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's got plenty of crystal from Augusta national. I, he, there's a jacket that he really came close to getting, um, which is disappointing. But besides the fact the guy is, always around, always contends. He doesn't seem to care too much where it really stings him. It doesn't bother him. It doesn't affect his personal life afterwards. And the golf swing is just so sweet. It makes you feel like, um, that's something that I want. Let's just leave it at that. So I think he's really cool. And also if you go to, you go out to a restaurant and you go out in public, nobody recognizes Louie. It's, he's not the guy that, uh, he, he's not the guy that, everybody is looking for an autograph from he's not going to be bothered. People aren't looking for interviews from him all the time. So it's very, things are easy going for Louie. And I think that's great. I think that's pretty interesting. I, I could, I could actually probably be talked into it. Um, real quick. Who, what do you think Louie's career earnings are? I just looked it up. So all tours I would guess, combined. Uh, Oh, all tours combined. I would get, I was going to guess like 38 on the PGA tour. Ooh. That's a very, very good guess. It's 36 and a half. Um, PGA Tour. Oh, no. Well, to everything. Oh, everything. Okay. Yeah. So I meant everything. I was guessing 38 everything. Uh, I I do. I can't think of another guy. I kind of want to talk about this question because I think it's interesting. Like, who would you like to be? Because you you definitely don't want to be Tiger. I think even being like a somebody like a Rory or a Spieth would be. It would be hard. Like it would just like they, they, there's a lot of perks, obviously, like, you know, all the, all the things that you would think about a professional athlete at that level, the money, the flying price, all all this different stuff. Right. But there's such a, there's such a weight to it. Right. Like there's, it's just, there's just a lot, like you have a lot of people wanting stuff from you all the time. If you shoot 82, you are still answering questions in the media tent, right? You're, you're constantly under pressure, under fire. You're, you're held accountable for almost every shot you hit. Whereas if you're a Louis or Charles in this category too, you go, you, if you go shoot 82, nobody talks to you, you go home, you're done. You, you yeah. can, you know, be frustrated on your own, but you don't have to answer to anything. And at the same time, if you shoot 62, you get some talk. Whereas if you're a tiger, either way, you're swarmed. It doesn't matter what you do. You're swarmed. Mm-hmm. There's no just going home after a round, which I think is you hard. So let me throw two names at you that I think I, I might like to be for different reasons. Uh, Webb. Do you yeah, think Webb gets recognized? 
Um, in probably in North Carolina. Yeah. There are probably places where if Webb is at home and he goes out to a local restaurant, I would bet you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say not too much general world. I would say not too much. And then the other one, and this, this might be, I, I don't know. I don't, I think, the, I think I might choose this guy, but it's hard because he's so young that, uh, it's difficult to kind of project how famous he will eventually be, but, uh, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, it's an, it is another good one. Um, cause I don't, I don't think he gets recognized and I want the swing. He's already won a major at 24. Nice to have. Nice to have. He's probably, I mean, he's catching up on Louis with his career earnings. He's catching up on Louis already. He he's already had a more. He's he's got four times as many tour wins as Louis does. Yeah, which is tough for your for your you know dream scenario here. Well, We're still talking play, about look, this, Rick. Play, Welcome back to the podcast. I, I have literally had zero internet issues in my entire life except the last two nights on the First Cut podcast. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Rick, it, about- this is actually a good thing for you because it highlights with this last couple of minutes in is it highlights the need for Rick Gabe. This is job security for me. Yes. Uh, all right, we're listen. deep on uh, Louis's Yahoo page right now, which is just kind of kind of tough. Who would, you, who would you pick? Who would you be? I could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, I was actually flipping through the official World Golf rankings. Morikawa would be a good one. Um, Daniel Berger, I feel like is pretty good. Yeah, he got, got yeah. Don't, don't, I, yeah, doesn't I, get I feel, like Craig, I feel like Greg half picked Louie because of his swing and half because of everything else or, or three yeah, quarters. Oh, no, the swing's swing. at least half. <laughs> it may be more than half. I'll just be Zaltors. Zaltors. Zaltors would be, a, yeah, it'd be a good one. He's, he has a thing though. He's a little too recognizable with all no, the happy what? Gilmore stuff. I'm serious. After, after masters and the comparison with the happy Gilmore thing, I think it, there's going to be something with Zalatoris where he's a little, a little more recognizable. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I'm crazy. With this victory, Cam Smith gets his third <laughs> career PGA Tour win, his second Zurich victory. Remember, he won this back in 2017 with Jonas Blix, and he also won that event in a playoff. Playoff. Now, playoffs. Thank you. Uh, so, via Justin Ray, he is the first player to earn each of his first three PGA Tour victories in a playoff since Steve Lowry did it in 1994, 2000, and 2008. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Somebody in our somebody in our <laughs> somebody in our comments brought up that if you're if you pick Lou, <laughs> Rick, I'm sorry, Rick. I don't know why you have to deal with us. I don't know why <laughs> this is. Your, we, we were both pick. reading the. <laughs> somebody both said reading the comments. If you pick Louie, you have to deal with back problems forever. <laughs> well, you know he still yeah. ships his. So they were talking about this on the telecast today. He ships his his uh, mattress everywhere. And they were talking yeah. about how, how that actually happens, but it's like, there's that one guy on tour who has a trailer from event to event. We, you know about this, right? Am I describing yeah. this right? Okay. So yeah. I, I'm assuming the, I'm assuming the mattress goes in the trailer. He's not actually taking it to like Southwest and asking them to ship it for him. Like it's like part of the trailer. Maybe, he he, maybe he's on, going like, to UPS. UPS freight. Uh, got deal. UPS. Yeah. Got it. Me and Craig, yeah, me and Greg are locked deal. in right now. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you guys are killing me. Um, let's see. Sorry, Rick. What was your what question again? I don't know. It was, I got it's a couple Cam of Cam Smith. Here. Cam Smith. Cam Smith 
Uh, and so la- that was his third PGA Tour victory. Leishman got his most recent victory at the 2020 Farmers. That was when he missed like every single fairway on Sunday en route to that victory. And then going with the other guys, this would have been Louis's first win on U.S. soil, right? His only, yeah. his only win was the 2010 which, Open Championship. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy. At St. Andrews. At I'm, St. Andrews. Uh, I'm curious about what y'all think about Cam Smith's ceiling. So I just looked it up. I'm he's 27. He feels more like 30. I, I didn't realize he was as, as young as he is. Um, his two, two of his three events are team wins. Like Rick said, the others, what Sony, right? Last year. Yep. Sony, um, 2020, right. With, uh, with the, with Ryan Palmer and Brendan Steele and the wind, yeah. all that. Yep. Yeah. It was so that, that's a, that's a, yeah, it was ugly. It was a, it's a good win though. It's, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's not like great. What is his, like, what's the ceiling for him? See, I had this is, interesting thought. This is, well, go, you go, go first, Rick. I was just gonna say, how many wins does Billy Horschel have? Five. Have eight. Eight. I've no. Okay. Then I would say his, his ceiling is like six to eight wins. Okay. Right. He's 27 years old. He's already got three. He's going to play at least 10 more years. He wins one every other. He's got a major in him. Does he have a major in him? Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. It feels like there's 50 guys whose ceiling is six wins and a major. Mm -hmm. That's probably And And not all of them are going to reach that. And I think that's sort of the reality of like, you sort of label these guys early on and then they, when they don't pan out, you're like, Oh, I did. And it's like, well, no, that, that was the ceiling. Like that was like the best case scenario. Right. And yeah, I think that's fair. Six to eight wins in a major. Is that, do you, are you in on that, Greg? Yeah, I think, um, I think he has what it takes to win a major. I, I think there are certain courses that are going to suit him really well. Cause his game's very specific, right? He doesn't have the like Will Zalatoris came up earlier. He doesn't have that kind of ball striking ability, which raises your ceiling. He, he doesn't hit it like that. He does a lot with short game and putting, which is great, but it limits the number of chances you have to win, which is why six to eight wins is a really nice number for him because you, you have the ability to be um, volatile but win when you get close, um, when you have a good putting week, kind of like a Kevin Nye, you have that ability to close the deal when uh, he, and he definitely seems to be unafraid. So I think that's a very fair, I, I think it's a very fair ceiling for Cam Smith, um, six to eight wins. And I do think he can get a major, I'm, I'm not sure where, but an open championship seems to be quite fitting for him. Uh, higher ceiling Maverick McNeely or Cam Smith. Cam Smith. It's not even close. It might be McNeely was McNeely's got a good pedigree. He was great at Stanford, um, but I, I think already Camp have three PGA Tour just, wins. The two of them are team wins. <laughs> McNeely's contended once in his life on a course he grew up on. Yeah, but that twirl on eighteen at Pebble was <laughs> filthy. Aggressive. That is true. So that you you mentioned the team wins, I, and I think this came up. This story kind of. Um, is in my head after what happened on the playoff. So Louie hits it in the water immediately and ends the playoff. The drama was over immediately. And for Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, I look at this in a way where you'll always look at a Zurich winner and say, yeah, yeah, that was a win, but a team event. There's always that. Yeah. But with that comes along with that. Um, Cause you, you won't know in five years, was this Cam Smith who played really well? Did, did, uh, did Mark Leishman carry him that week? You always just have that little wonder whether it's fair or not. Um, but for Louie, 
to hit that shot and lose it on one shot, it's so much more painful to lose it for your partner than it would be if this was the Zurich Classic of five years ago, where it was a, a solo event. If he did the same thing in a solo event, I think it would hurt in a playoff. I think it would hurt a lot less than it did this week. So this has an interesting case where the bad, if you play bad, it can, it can hurt worse because you let down your partner than, um, than the good does if you, if you win. How many wins did McNeely have in college? Do we know? I think I'm getting him. I think I'm getting his college career confused with, uh, there was somebody that went to Stanford that had like nine wins. I think he, Patrick Rogers and tiger, Patrick Rogers, Patrick Rogers. It's definitely Patrick, Patrick Rogers, Rogers is who I was thinking of. He had like, yeah, yeah nine. Did McNeely had that many too? I think they all had, didn't No, They didn't. I don't die. think so. No? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I was, I was looking for any, okay. So he, uh, no. Okay. He won. I can't believe I'm looking at this. <laughs> He won uh, once as a senior. He won one, two, three, four times as a junior. Oh wow! No, he yeah, he did win a lot. He won as a, he won as a sophomore. Yeah, he won a ton. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Did so? I think he, Rogers, and Tiger all have the same number of wins. I think they all have eleven. No, six, four, ten. Yeah, that would be right for McNeely. So if he's tied with the other guys, they would have eleven. So that's, that's a, a good ton. pedigree, Kyle. I'll give you that. It's a great I'll give you that. company there. Notice uh, his. It, it, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was looking at at McNeely's uh, player projection on Data Golf. I can't believe we're talking about this, but at this age, I don't think so. He projects to like Ollie Schneider, Johns, yeah. uh, Russell Henley, Graham McDowell, Brandon Grace. So that's. That's uh, pretty good. Let me look up That's Cam nice. Smith. Cam, That's a really nice Cam Smith. <clears throat> Cam Smith is Harris English, Daniel Berger, Billy Mayfair, Jonathan Bird, Willie Wood, Ryan Moore. So that's probably a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. A couple of notables I want to talk about here. Cam Champ and Tony Finau dropped 15 spots on Sunday thanks to their four over 76. And uh, Greg, this is probably a good thing, man, because if, if Finau won this, we would have had to have dealt with the whole he still doesn't have an individual win in America, blah, blah, blah. This would this would have hurt Tony more than it would have helped. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> See, I, I would have if you're, but if you're Tony Fina, like it would have hurt him maybe through our, our eyes. We met, we would have looked at it. Obviously, he would have liked and, to have won. Probably had but... a laugh about it. But if you're Tony Fina and you go in there and you 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 lose because they lost this. I mean, they they got some bad breaks and they were up against the lip of. I mean, every time we saw them, they were against the lip of a bunker. You saw, and and unfortunately, on two of those occasions, it was Cam Smith in the bunker. So Fino Fino hit it right up against the lip on number two, which was a terrible break. And then it happened again at number four, and then it happened again at number seven. Although Cam Champ hit it into the bunker at seven, which was a par five. So it was a it was a really rough start with some really bad breaks. Um, but it, I wonder if this just adds to the Tony Finau Sunday struggles. You go into this right in the mix. You're right there. You're a team that should have a really good chance of winning, and you play your way out of it in the front on the front nine, and you're done basically right away. And it, you wonder 
I'm looking at Tony Fina saying, is he really cursed? Because you can't, if you end up in the middle of those bunkers that they hit it into, it's not the end of the world. They ended up right up against the lip. And it's like, what can I, what can he do? Is this a, is this a curse? And I don't know, maybe it is. Don't say the C word. That's, that's a bad word. Uh, But it might be true. Who knows? The guy who broke the Puerto Rico open curse, Victor Hovland, also with his partner, uh, pretty bad Sunday, KP. The Norwegian 78. Uh, they were riding high. They had the magic going for a long time in this event, but uh, it was I, I don't know if I saw anything on Sunday. They stopped showing them pretty early. This was this was bad. Yeah, Ventura chipped in for par on I think it was on 16 also. And that was like their best shot of the day. They had like seven other bogeys before that. Is that right, Greg? That's correct. Uh, yes, correct. So the thing that was concerning to me after you and I talked on, on round one, Rick was I went back and read some of their transcript because this tournament's hard. It's, it's actually doubly hard because you don't get any of the strokes gain data. And then you can't really tell like not only for the team, but individually if it, like who's playing well and who's doing what. So it, it gets a little, you kind of got to rely on what you've watched, what you've heard, which you know, Mark is screaming at the radio. Like, this is what I always do. <laughs> I get it. Um, <clears throat> I was concerned on day one when Hovland said, well, you know, uh, Chris really carried us today and made everything. And it's like, Oh, that, that that's like not a, like when, when Chris Ventura is like carrying you with his putter or whatever, a short game, I guess that's not sustainable. So I was a little bit concerned after reading that and it kind of bore out, uh, over the weekend and especially on Sunday, what they 78 on Sunday? 78. Yeah. Not good. Uh, Greg, the team that I actually thought was the most impressive and we can do this a lot of different ways. It's the, it's the Richie Warinsky, Peter Uline team. Yeah. They were eight under in alternate shot, but the best by two shots better than Stenson and Rose four shots, better than Mitchell and, and Snedeker. Uh, and were 11 under in best ball. So they were almost as good three, only three shots worse in the alternate shot format than they were in best ball. That is uh, that's good stuff. They played well. It's extremely rare. I would love to know if, um, if there's some, data on that. I, I would bet you that may be some of the best for a team that contended. I'd bet you that's the best, uh, the closest comparison between best ball and alternate shot. It's just not, it's just not that easy. So um, yeah, fascinating team and a team Rick on Monday, you pointed out because of the Uline win um, and, and it turned out to be great. So I, I, it was nice to watch that team. I, I kind of, it was one of the teams I was wondering how they, got together i guess they they uh do a little practice together at jupiter hills i heard on the broadcast i didn't know about that um Jupe so life. yeah a, a nice nice surprise Jupe life <laughs> jupiter of the east that's that's east jupiter uh did you guys how would you change the format just real quick i saw an idea on twitter joel beal golf digest i thought it was awesome he said you should throw in worst ball as a day so you, instead oh, no. of best ball you take the worst score which would be That's pretty sick. Good. It would be awesome. And then uh, a scramble on one of the days. So guys are trying to shoot like 53. Interesting. The so you, do four tour, different, you do four different formats. Yeah. What the other one put was on Sunday. Well, the, uh, I think worst ball would be insane on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the but, uh, never uh, no, 
yeah, that's probably true. But uh, no laying up said just do uh, alternate shot every day, which I think, I mean, and that's kind of why I thought of it with like the Wierenski and, and Uline thing of like, that's actually a great measure of like which team. And I think you just said this, Rick, but which team is actually the best team, right? Or I think so. Or you could do two rounds of modified alternate shot and the other two alternate shot, let them hit their tee shots, then decide which one to use and then play alternate shot from there. Yeah. Yeah. You're because best ball doesn't, it has nothing to do with your team. The only thing is maybe you, well, you can play, you can play completely independent. I mean, unless somebody's hitting it into a hazard or hitting it into uh, trouble off the tee, you may, you may or may not change your club selection. So you basically have the option in in better ball to just play completely your own game and your partner score only helps. Alternate shot is, is the most intriguing form of team play. It's the only real team play where you, you need, you need your partner. So I I don't mind. I wouldn't mind four rounds of alternate shot. Jacob said he wants to go full on charity scramble. Let them buy, <laughs> let them go, let them buy mulligans. Let them use that string that gets you closer to the hole. Let them cheat. You know, there's always some sandbaggers in those things that are coming in saying they shot, you know, 20. Well, we, already, we already use handicaps at the tour championships. So you might as well use them <laughs> at the, at the Zurich as well. Um, we've got to talk a little bit of Valspar. We got to do our one and done stuff, but first, uh, there was some sporting outrage KP. I don't know if you saw this. It just happened before we went hot that uh, is not golf related. Madison Bumgarner uh, completed every inning of his game today for the Diamondbacks and did not give up a hit, but it was only a seven inning game and it is not officially a no hitter. Your thoughts. Uh, Oh, I think that's fair. That would be like, that would be like, uh, so it it would be, I'm trying to think of what a golf equivalent is. It's like when Adam Scott won Riviera after playing 36 holes. It's it's honestly, it's kind of like, does DJ hold the course record at Augusta national? Yes. Because it, 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 and technically yes, but like it was, it's not, it's not, you're comparing two different things, right? You're comparing Augusta national in November on what everybody said was a soft course to Augusta national every April since world war two. Right. So like, it's not a, it's, it's a no hitter, but it's not, I don't think it should be an official one. Just like, I don't think DJ's 20 under should be the course record at Augusta. If you, okay. I wrote an article for golf digest of, of if that DJ's thing should have an asterisk and people skewered me for it. So you don't, this is a dangerous road to go down my friend. Uh, but the, if, the, if Major League Baseball is going to say this game lasts seven innings and this is an official game uh, and you go out and give up zero hits, uh, wh- like what else does he have to do? It's a no hitter. Well, uh, yeah, it's not That's range fair, short. But, like, but I feel like you're, you're, you're trying to. Yeah, that's hard. But like you, you're almost comparing like you're comparing a definition of something versus like all the other things that have happened that make up that definition. Right. Like all the other no hitters are are nine innings, and yes, it's a no hitter, but it's not a nine inning no hitter. So you can't like you can't put it in this bucket over here with all the other. It, just call it a seven inning no hitter and put it make it a separate record. Right, he could be the now he's. I actually think that's better because now he's the first one to ever do it instead of like the three hundred and tenth or whatever. It's like he's yeah. the only guy to ever pitch a seven inning no hitter in Major League Baseball. There should be a guy. November. There should be a November scoring record. 
right, I'll talk to talk to the guys down south about yeah, that. I'll yeah. I'll, t- I'll send I'll write a letter to Chairman Ridley, and we'll get it. We'll we'll get a its own like little web page on a, on masters.com. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about the Valspar next week. We've got to go through our one and done, which uh, there was some movement, gentlemen. There was some movement. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partner. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. The Paul Casey Classic kicks off next week. Greg, this is the event that Mr. Casey has won, not one. But two years in a row, I went back and looked at the guys who have won uh, the same tournament three or more years. And the list, let me tell you, Greg. Oh, no. Steve Stricker was the last one to do it. That is correct. What? (laughs) You know the event, though. The John John Deere. Do you know the years? Uh, I think it was uh, 9, 10, 11. I think it was. I don't have it in front of me, but I thought the last yeah, one was I sh- This should count as a trivia win over Greg. <laughs> hey, hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stricker was the last one to do it. Tiger's name is on the list a bunch, uh, but it's a pretty short list, Greg. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen very often. There, are, I mean, there. It re- it's really a short list of back-to-back, too. It's not an easy thing to do. That's why I typically write off um, anyone who won the event the year before, anyone who won the week before, because usually you don't get back-to-back winners. You don't get a lot of defending champions. So it, it's a nice opportunity. What's really interesting is the year that Paul Casey's having. This isn't a you know, kind of a fluke thing. He's a, he really needs to be in consideration for more reasons than just the fact that he won the event in 18 and 19. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch what Paul Casey does this week. Cause again, um, he's having quite a year and this would be a, a nice exclamation point. This is the time before a major championship that we start looking at all the big names scheduling. So we've got Valspar next week. We have then the Wells Fargo championship, the AT&T Byron Nelson, and then it's the PGA championship KP. So this is where uh, at least the studs are trying to figure out, okay, am I playing one week? Am I playing two weeks? Am I going to play the week before? Probably not. I don't know, but this is where they're all trying to figure out where they're showing up. And this, this field has, let's see. Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Terrell Hatton, Ryan Palmer. Those are the names. Yeah, it's, I mean, I was actually, Phil's playing also. I think he was a late ad. First time Um, since 2004. That's crazy. That's, that's so long ago. Um, Yeah, I, 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 I said this on HQ afterward, after, after uh, Zurich today. This is like the weird, and it used to be worse. It used to be like you wouldn't see guys for like a month and it's not as bad now because you've got this like rhythm to the majors. But I feel like, like, I think the spring, like if you, if you look from farmers to players every week was just insane, right? Not, not just like the play, but the fields and 
when you compare these weeks to those weeks, they just don't add up. And, and the reason is because you're getting into this, like, okay, I got to figure out a rhythm to hit the, hit the PGA, hit the U S open, hit the open championship. And I think that's what you're seeing guys kind of jump into now. Whereas guys leading up to the players were playing everything. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Every week was just like, like a, like a WGC field. Now you had a bunch of WGCs in there. So that was part of the reason, but, um, it, I, I don't love this portion of the schedule as much as I love that lead into the players. It just felt like that was more jam packed. And this is more like guys picking their spots, trying to tune things up for PGA or us open. Yeah. Here's here was the lead into the players. This is wild. So it was farmer. So there's Tory. Then you get the waste management, you get pebble beach, Riviera, uh, a WGC, the workday API, and then the players that is like unbelievably, unbelievably stacked. Um, and then the lead into the U S open, Greg, this is going to be a little bit different. So we're going to do a PGA championship. We'll have the Charles Schwab. We'll have the Memorial. Nobody's going to want to miss that. Then a new event, which I assume is going to be the, the, the short stick here. That's the Palmetto championship at Congaree. And then the U S open back at Torrey Pines. See, this is the Congaree thing is interesting. I think that's a course that's uh, somewhat sought after, but that event, if they, I, I thought that I really thought they should have gone to the West coast for that. Cause you have, to, you're going to Tory, And if you can get guys to go to the West coast and play, I won't even, I mean, let's just say shadow Creek somewhere out there. It's much oh. easier to go from there to um, from there to the U S open. It's a, a much shorter commute. So I thought it was interesting that they went to Congaree, although everything I hear about the place is awesome. Um, but that being said, this time of year, to Kyle's point, there are much more. It, it's much more um, consistent player to player. There are events like the Memorial that everybody will play, and because of that, there are events that everybody will take off. Um, and that being all the top guys, of course. So you get more thinned out fields, and then you get bigger events. And the Memorial becomes a really big major championship type feel. Uh, and the majors are major championships, so you get great fields in those. But the field becomes more regular player um, uh, amongst the top guys, whereas you had to make choices in the spring. You had to say, okay, well, I'm not going to play API as important as it is, or I'm not going to play Genesis, even though it's a great event. Cause I need to, t- I need to take something off. I can't play this many times in a row leading into uh, a players and a master. So um, this time of year, you get more consistency. Mm. Schedule's so good. Schedule's so good. And it's an Olympic year. It's going to be a ton of fun. Okay. You know what else is fun? A one and done update. There's, there's a big one here. We'll get to that in just a a second. We're going to start where we normally do at the bottom with the coach. He started with 2.4 million and he ends the week with 2.4 million because KP, he went with Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. That got him a whopping $0. They almost finished last, didn't they? At one point, they were in last. They were. They played better on Friday, but uh, they were close. Tough one. Yeah, I actually bet against them in a three ball with uh, Thomas Peters and Tom Lewis, I think. So I was hate to see it for coach, but I love to see it. (laughs) Producer Jacob is (laughs) he used. Sung JM and Benny on also got the same result as coach did zero dollars. And Greg, that keeps him at 2.8 million. There is just, we have just said, you guys now live in the basement. I apologize. You live down there. There's a huge gap to try to catch us, but enjoy. 
And it's a little competition between the two of them and they can figure out who's going to come in dead last. So yeah, they're, um, they're unfortunately stuck down there and I don't know what you could, I, I don't know. I mean, Tiger 2000 would have to come out in order to, to make up any ground in this case. You can only use them once them. though. <laughs> that would be a shame of one and like, like 2001 and done. And no, I'm saying your, your record, Tiger. right? Yeah, no, your record. You, you have the, uh, the, Hey, I, I won four majors uh, in a row. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacob says, I just need to hit a couple of, I just need to hit a couple of winners and I'm back <laughs> in this thing. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> you do need to right. hit a couple. You need like um, eight in a row. Uh, now next on this list is you, Greg. I've not spoken to you this early before because you've been past, sir, more on that in just a second. And you didn't have yourself a bad week. You had the team that finished runner-up, the Eustace and Schwartzel Group. You earned $436,000, which means you have earned $1.1 million in your last seven starts, but you still lost a little ground on the leaderboard. Yeah, this one, uh, it, it stings. You can imagine why I would lose coming in second, solo second. Why would I lose ground? Well, unfortunately, um, we're going to have to talk about that in a second. So I'm going to try to make this as long-winded as possible. But I thought that Louis and Charles <laughs> were, the, were probably the... They were the ideal pick for me. I knew they were good friends, but also this is a really risky event because Jacob, our fearless leader, also has a, a ruthless side to him where you had to have both players available and both players are no longer available after this week. So if you went with Rom and Palmer, uh, you couldn't just attack, oh, well, I have Palmer available, so I'll get free credit for Rom. No, Jacob doesn't let that fly. So that made it a much more um, challenging pick one who do you have available in the suit in this super season and two if they if, if it doesn't go well who do you who are you okay with um with missing out on so I, anyway i thought that was a a really solid pick and i was delighted to get into a playoff but the next part gets a, a much more bitter for me that man right there <laughs> kyle porter Leapfrogs Greg and moves to six point four million thanks to the winners Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman and KP. I actually think you have a bone to pick here with one, Mister Producer Jacob, because not only did you have to burn both golfers, you only got half the money, sir. Yeah, that that's crooked, <laughs> right? I think it's great, but you have it's I, ruthless. I, it's just it's cold blooded. I understand. Why, why, why do we only get half the? Because those, so what was the what was the number? One point four two. No, one point oh seven. So you would have got two point one for both of them. So because that's like they winning got, the Masters. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Well, f- figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but you lost Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman. I mean, both those guys contend in the Masters. I agree that it would be a tough sell to have the Zurich classic winners in one and done, get as much as the masters winner, but yeah, but you you're, burning burn two, you're burning two guys on, on. Yeah. I don't know. I would, to be honest, I went into the week, not thinking that you would get double the money. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm arguing from a position of weakness right now. <laughs> Oh, that's a good uh, week for you. You're on a, you're on a pretty good run here. So your last yeah. five, you've gotten 2.9, 2.9, I mean, sir. Listen, a good run for me is just not picking somebody that I picked within the last six weeks. So I, penalty avoidance. 
Yeah, it's it's been an, it's been incredible. But yeah, I, I actually didn't realize that Greg had Charles and Usti. Otherwise, I would have been a little. I was just I was like, oh, they're a playoff. Like you know, Smith and and Leishman will give me at least something. Um, so I'm now I'm very glad that it went that Usti hit the worst shot he's ever hit. Kyle and I have had some real, um, some real sweats between one another. And this one could have been, if we had realized it a little more in advance, like the old way we did it with the group chat where everybody knew who everybody had every week, it would have added a little more. And I guess we could have looked at it and it's published. It's published. We yeah. could have taken a little more time. Are we, so it's on us. Producer Jacob, can you jump back on? I, I hit like every bet that I had this week. Have we just stopped doing those? Like, have we stopped, uh, it feels like I start hitting and we stop showing them on, on the, on the podcast. Well, I mean, that's partially because we were, we were missing a bunch of them too. So we were, uh, we were swinging and missing too. <laughs> we well, were so bad I'm, that we had to stop throwing them. I'm not though. I mean, also, also this week we weren't able to uh, get it in with Dottie on the podcast. Oh, uh, that's true. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Okay. Okay. Well, does it still count toward our, on our spreadsheet? It will still count towards your spreadsheet. We'll, Just not we'll, yours. We'll, we'll get your points in. We'll, we'll account for it. Okay. We published your picks on Twitter. They were, that's right. Okay. They were sent out. They were, they are recorded. Mark remains in second, 6.7 million. So he's about $250,000 clear of KP. He had Sam Burns and Billy Horshley got 209,000 and Greg, that means he's on a run of 1.3 million in his last six weeks. It feels like he's picking, feels like he's picking good guys, but he's not making up much ground. He's been solidly in second for a while. Yeah. Rick. I mean, you kind of have uh, extended your lead here and it's getting, You know, it's within reaching distance now for Mark at at this point. He's very close to getting where any win and a a miscut by you will excel him to the finish. But Burns and Horschel, it's a great pick. It just, it doesn't, your lead is too big. It doesn't gain any ground. I'm I'm trying to keep everybody in this because my last three combined uh, have earned me $36,000. Yeah, this is your prevent defense. I don't even know what that means. I got 17,316 <laughs> from Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd, 17,316, which I typed into Google and I typed in MSRP and it came up with a brand new 2021 Chevrolet tracks. Never even heard. Never, of it. never heard of it. That's what I won this week. Never. Uh, this car's never heard of it. Your heater from the, the time frame I referenced earlier from the farmers to the players was actually through the masters really was, uh, was unbelievable. It was yeah, like almost six mil from farmers through players. Yeah. I did pretty some damage good. there. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to hold on for dear life and hope it's good enough. It may be. I mean, you get another win. If you get another win, this thing's over unless tour championship includes, uh, in, unless Jacob decides to include FedEx <laughs> bonus, money. bonus pool money. <laughs> if we, if we include FedEx money, but we don't, we didn't double the Zurich pool. Then I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna, we, Look, we're not going to include the FedEx bonus cup money because then that pretty much means the season means nothing. Whenever someone could hit $15 million. If hold on. Show. Do we, are we do are coach, we including the, win. do we include the pip do we get the player impact <laughs> money and the comcast business uh elite top 10 money too i want that 
I don't think we can do that. I mean, that wasn't disclosed before the season. Both of those things happened mid season, just like the rules. That's never stopped you before. (laughs) Are they going to make the pip public? Is that, are they going to actually make the winners of that publicly disclosed? I hope Right. I hope they have to, it's all about growing. I I mean, I look at it kind of in a a way where this is what, what'd you do for the company? Right. Who's the biggest, who's our top seller for the company? Yeah, It's almost in a way. It's it's a celebration. Right. It it, it, it could be like an employee of the month. Who's our, our employee (laughs) of the year. And so I think it should definitely be public. Can you imagine Brooksy hanging a plaque in his, in his mansion (sighs) and Jupe life employee of the, of the month for, I don't know if he even, (laughs) I don't know if he even has his, uh, his major championship trophies displayed. It wouldn't surprise me if he, well, he does because he tweeted him at Bryson. He but had that wasn't handy. really a display. Wasn't that just, they were kind of all next to each other on the ground. Like, <laughs> is that what a display is? <laughs> but they were, it's not like they were in a case. I mean, these are, <laughs> I could see him like digging them out of the closet so that he could tweet, just like send that to Bryson. He's like, Oh, yeah. grab those two. Okay. Grab the medals, hang them over the top. Now let's just send this to Bryson. There was a, I, the reason I say that I got to tell, tell this story real quick. Um, I, I parked his car one time and there was Brooks's? something. Roll- <laughs> yeah. He was at medalist. So, and I was one day, I didn't typically valet, but we all helped out. So one day I'm park. I, I end up parking his car. And I, as I back it in, there's something rolling around in the back seat on the floor. Oh, no. And it was, uh, it was a U.S. open trophy. No, it was not. Yes, it was. It was a US open this trophy. is not real. No, I'm not. I would not make this that is up. Slander. I would not make that up. It was now it wasn't the one that he ends up eventually getting. It was the one that he was basically renting and it was there and he's and he knew it was there. I talked to him about it and he knew that it was there and it, it it there was a reason why he had it with him. So it wasn't completely random, but I'm telling you it was on the floor of, of in the back seat of his car. I'm surprised that Bryson's head wasn't rolling around back there also since he's <laughs> renting space there too. <laughs> Or he was at the time. I don't know if he is anymore. But. <laughs> That's a I great story, Greg. I love yeah, that. No joke. The, it was the real thing. I couldn't believe it. I love it. I don't know how else we can end this show. So I'm going to end it right now. Uh, for producer Jacob, doing all the hard works, not only behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes uh, today. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. That right there. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD Kyle Porter. You can find on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS and you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. I'll catch you next time. The wait is over. The shy returns with new episodes on Paramount plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.